You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LAFC. This is week seven of the study In His Image. Today's teaching is entitled, God Most Faithful. We are going to try something a little bit different this evening, and we're going to start with a video from the Bible Project to help us with our definitions. I think that this does a nice job connecting the definition of faithfulness throughout Scripture, and it also illustrates it in a very creative way. So, let's watch together. If you try to describe what God is like, it can be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible ponder the mystery of God, they consistently describe God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at this last characteristic of God. It's a Hebrew word that meant, which can be translated as faithfulness or even truth. It's related to another word you've probably heard before. Oh, God. 
who have gone before us. Are we up for the challenge? There were quite a few words used to define faithfulness in the video. Stability, reliability, trustworthy, predictable, steadfast. And did you like that image of the people stamping their feet on the firm rock (laughs) to show that they were trusting in God? This firm and steady rock. Our faithful God is devoted to utter consistency between his words and his deeds. God does what he says he will do, always. A.W. Tozer says it this way, This faithful God, who never broke a promise and never violated a covenant, who never said one thing and meant another, who never overlooked or forgot anything, is the Father of our Lord Jesus and the God of the gospel. This is the God we adore and the God we preach. And this is the God that we have come to focus our attention on and reset our hearts on tonight. In Psalm 89, verse 8 and 9, the psalmist says it this way. O Lord, God of hosts, who is like you, O mighty Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. His faithfulness is part of all he does. And as scripture and Jen notes, there are innumerable evidences of his faithfulness all around us. We're going to review just a few to remind ourselves of how surrounded we are by God's faithfulness. I hope that this will help to build up our faith. First, the seasons themselves bear witness to the steadfastness of God. God promises this to Noah in Genesis 8.22. As long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. So here we are in beautiful October in Pennsylvania, witnessing the changing of seasons. Harvest is upon us. It is my all-time favorite with the changing of the leaves, the beautiful blue skies, and the crisp air. It's something that I look forward to each year, and perhaps you do too. But it's predictable because God is faithful. Psalm 89 referenced another favorite, the ocean waves. When I am fortunate enough to visit the beach, That constant, unending sound of the waves hitting the sand reminds me of the Father's vast and unending love. But the way that the waves continue in their pattern and stop where he's put the boundary, that's because of his faithfulness. The rising of the sun each morning is because God is faithful. We can count on it. 
even when it's obscured by clouds and storms, we know that the sun is still up there above the earth each day. We can rest in that. We can plan our days and our calendars because God faithfully upholds the planets and the stars and he keeps them all on track. The law of gravity and every other scientific and biological fact that we study and see happening in a predictable pattern is because of our faithful creator and sustainer. Then there are so many spiritual practices whose purpose is to remind us of his faithfulness. These were mentioned in our book, and we're going to look at just a few examples. First, Sabbath, resting from our work and trusting him to provide for our needs. Remembrance stones, those memorial markers that are to remind the Israelites and others of a specific time that God moved on their behalf. Baptism. The physical immersion in water to illustrate what's happening in the spiritual level when our sins are washed away as we put our trust in Christ. One of my favorite days when I was serving as a deaconess was to assist with towels at baptism. To see the utter joy on people's faces as they come up out of the water, it's really beyond words. And it always reminds me of the gift that I have in being washed clean by Jesus. The Lord's Supper, remembering the words and actions of our Lord on the night he was betrayed. This one is so special because not only are we obeying his commandment to remember when we partake in it, but it's a reminder of the marriage supper of the Lamb that's to come. When we grow forgetful of God, or when we question whether God has forgotten us, we can turn to the Bible to gaze on his steadfast love to all generations. I thought that Jen's point about every copy of scripture whispering, remember, remember, was so powerful. We need to remind ourselves of the incredible gift that we have in unlimited access to scripture. We have it in the printed form. Most of us have it in a digital form. We can hear it on the radio. It is a real gift. <clears throat> it is good to learn and to study about God. But intimacy with Jesus is grown through time in his word. Because of God's limitless power and unshakable faithfulness, the hope that we have in him is hope with certainty. And when we spend time in the Word, we ourselves can become stones of remembrance to those around us, giving faithful testimony that God is worthy of our trust no matter what. A few years ago, the mom of one of my friends was afflicted with a rare and aggressive form of breast cancer. It was understandably a very scary time. We prayed fervently, and God intervened miraculously. But long before she was healed, my friend's mom was acting with deep faith. She was convinced that this trial was a God-given assignment and that she was taking Christ with her into those appointments and treatment rooms. She even created a personalized handout that she gave to the nurses and the doctors and whoever God placed in her path, which spoke 
of her faithful God and the hope that she had in Christ. It was such an example to me of how to be faithful in trial. She was and is a living remembrance stone to God's faithfulness. Our book noted the patriarch Joseph, just one of many examples in scripture who testify about the faithfulness of God, although it took years to see. We only have time for the highlights, so we're gonna take a few minutes to be reminded of Joseph's experiences as told in the Jesus Storybook Bible. You know I had to get it in there somehow. This chapter is entitled The Forgiving Prince. Jacob had 12 sons, but of all his sons, Joseph was his favorite. One day, Jacob gave Joseph a splendid new robe. It was beautiful and rich with all the colors of the rainbow, but it made Joseph's brothers jealous. They wanted rich rainbow robes too. Then to make matters worse, Joseph kept on having these special dreams. I dreamed I was the greatest. I was king, Joseph told his brothers. And you all bowed down to me. Now, I'm sure you know, even if Joseph didn't, that telling your brothers things like that isn't a very good idea. Joseph's brothers hated him even more. They wanted to kill Joseph and his dreams. And so one day, that's exactly what they tried to do. They tore Joseph's rainbow robe off him and sold him to slave traders for 20 pieces of silver. The traders took Joseph to Egypt and made him into a slave. The brothers went home and lied to their father, telling him that Joseph was dead. That's the end of that dreamer, they thought. But they were wrong. God had a magnificent dream for Joseph's life, and even when it looked like everything had gone wrong, God would use it all to help make the dreams come true. God would use everything that was happening to Joseph to do something good. Meanwhile, though, things were not looking good for Joseph in Egypt. He was far from home and from his dad. Then he got blamed for something he didn't do. And even though he had done nothing wrong, he was punished and thrown in jail. But God was with Joseph. One night, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had a scary dream about thin cows gobbling up fat cows. What on earth could it mean? He didn't know. But Joseph was a dream expert. So Pharaoh sent for him. It means a famine, a famine is coming, Joseph explained. There won't be enough food. Pharaoh was so pleased by Joseph's skill that he immediately took Joseph out of jail and made him a prince. Now, back home, Joseph's brothers had run out of food, and everyone was hungry. God's special family was in danger. If they didn't get food soon, they would starve to death. So Joseph's brothers traveled to Egypt to buy food. They came and they knelt before the new prince. His brothers didn't know that the prince was Joseph, but Joseph knew who they were. Joseph's dream, the one about the brothers bowing down to him, was coming true. It's me, Joseph cried. When they saw that it was Joseph, his brothers were afraid. They had wronged Joseph. They had sinned and they knew it. Now, Joseph would certainly punish them. But Joseph looked at his brothers and his eyes filled with tears. Even though his brothers had hurt him and wanted him dead, in spite of everything, he couldn't stop loving them. His heart, which they had broken, filled up with love 
and Joseph forgave them. He threw his arms around them. Don't be afraid, he said. Behind what you were doing, underneath everything that was happening, God was doing something good. God was making everything right again. Joseph didn't punish them. He rescued them. He brought God's special family to live with him in Egypt. And one day, God would send another prince, a young prince, whose heart would break. Like Joseph, he would leave his home and his father. His brothers would hate him and want him dead. He would be sold for pieces of silver. He would be punished, even though he had done nothing wrong. But God would use everything that happened to this young prince, even the bad things, to do something good, to forgive the sins of the whole world. As we have said repeatedly, what is true of God is true of our Lord Jesus. The video made the great point that through Jesus, God fulfills his promises. He is called the son of Abraham, the son of David for this reason. As Romans 15, 8 and 9 says, Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. And he came so the Gentiles might also give glory to God for his mercies to them. Jesus came on behalf of God's faithfulness. Now, no human that we know is consistently faithful. As we discussed in our homework, the most steadfast person we have ever known has or will at some point let us down. Only God is faithful. Only God is surpassingly steadfast. And while we also fall short, as followers of Jesus, we are empowered by the Spirit to be different from the world. The question for us tonight is, are we choosing a life of faithfulness? Daily choosing to place our hope in God with every ounce of certainty that he will not fail us. Are we using our time faithfully? Are we using our abilities in ways to bring God glory? Are we guarding our thoughts faithfully, directing and protecting our minds to focus on what is honest, just, pure, holy? Are we known for using our words to encourage and edify? Are we people who pray without ceasing? These are challenging questions, I know. I'm not focusing on them lightly, but because of the Lord's conviction that this is an area where we are called to bring the kingdom of heaven with us in our everyday lives. Are we known as faithful in our marriages, in our business agreements, in our parenting? Are we known as faithful in our volunteer commitments, in our friendships, in loving our neighbors? Do we, dear friends, do what we say we will do? God's will for your life is that you be faithful as he is faithful. Just as he promised the arrival of Jesus at the appointed time, God has promised that the day of Jesus Christ will come. And come, it certainly will. On that day, still in the future, the Savior will return. Seated on a white horse, 
bearing the name faithful and true. Revelation 19.11 Though we await that day amid hardship, challenges, and temptation, we can hope with certainty that a thousand years is like a day to God. And at just the right time, the heavens will surely split open. Therefore, as the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Amen and amen. We're going to close tonight with a song of response and thanksgiving for his faithfulness. The past few weeks as I was preparing, this phrase was repeatedly in my mind. All my life, you have been faithful. Then I was reminded that we already referenced this song a few weeks ago. So my apologies for repeating it, but perhaps we can consider it our theme song for the semester. I invite you to listen and sing along. I have chosen a different version to try and mix it up a little bit. Uh, But I really felt like we wanted to end on this note of thanking God for his faithfulness. So let's worship however you feel led, as we thank our faithful God for this faithfulness that he has shown us every single day.